If you have a Bible with you, I'm going to take you to a passage that's very, uh, very familiar, very easy to find. Genesis chapter 2, that's the first book of the Bible, the second chapter of that book, Genesis chapter number 2. By the way, if you're here and you are getting baptized today uh, after the service, while I pray, I'm going to pray here in about five minutes. Will you slip out into the lobby? We have a t-shirt for you. We got some other things we'd like to just go over with you before the baptism. That way uh, you get baptized the right way. Can I, can I ever tell you the time I baptized someone the wrong way? I was on staff and it was a little kid and he was so excited to get baptized. I couldn't believe how this kid was vibrating. I mean, he was just like, yeah, I can't believe I'm getting baptized. And so I'm standing here and he's on the second step and I go to grab him to baptize him. And he does a Superman dive into the pool. Whoosh. And so I'm like, whoa. And I catch him like this. And I'm thinking, well, does it matter if it's forward? So I just kind of went down with him. Whoosh. Anyways, and I realized after I'm holding him on the water, I thought, I can't do this. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So under the water, I flipped him upside down. And water went up his nose. <laughs> then he came up. Oh, you know, water shooting everywhere. So hopefully that doesn't happen today. All right. <laughs> you learn, you live, and you learn. All right. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, we are in a, the middle of a sermon series right now. I want to try to stay close to that, uh, that sermon series. And really what we're talking about in our church right now is the mission of our church. And our church has a mission, by the way. We have a mission, a very clear mission. Last week, just to give you a little bit of a review, we talked about what this mission is. In the Bible, in Matthew chapter 28, it talks about the Great Commission. Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving I want you to go to preach, baptize, and teach. That's what I want you to do. So we answered that question, what is the mission? The mission is the Great Commission. Then we answer the question, who is commissioned? Who is supposed to do that? Is it the pastor? Is it the staff? Is it the deacons of a church? Who does, who's supposed to do this? The answer is in Acts chapter number 1, verse 8, where Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. And we use the illustration. Has anybody here ever seen a crime take place? Anybody here ever seen a crime? A couple of you? You are witnesses to a crime. You have to testify for that crime. We don't have to, but probably should. And so as Christians today, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you're called to be a witness of Christ. We talked about the who. Then we talk about the when. Jesus said to his disciples, don't say in four months. Then comes the harvest. He said, lift up your eyes. He was trying to teach his disciples, look up, look up. Right now, right now, the fields are white. And so if the question is when, the answer is what? Now. Now is when. And so that was all last week. Today, I want to answer one more question. And the question is this. It's a big question. Why? Why? Why does a church have a mission? Why does the church have something that Jesus wants us to do? Why? Why are we here? What's the point? What's the reason? And I, I like you, and I'm sure you like me, and we're, it's all great to be together, but we're here for a reason. Why? What is that reason? That's the big question today I want to try to answer. To do that, let's look back at Genesis chapter 2. All right, is everybody there? All right, good. Genesis 2, it'll be on the screen behind me as well. Look at verse 7. And the Lord God, what? Formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a what, church? Man became a living soul. Then the Bible goes on. God planted a garden, put the man in the garden. Look at verse 16. And God commanded the man saying, every tree of the garden, you can eat of it. You can eat as much as you want. Till your, my dad used to say, till your eyes turn green. You can eat as much as you want. 
But this is what he said. Look at verse 17. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest of it, thou shalt surely die. So we're going to talk a little bit about this passage and how that ties into what we're supposed to be doing today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to speak to this group of people. I pray that you keep our attention for the next 20 minutes, 30 minutes or so. Help us to listen to your word. Speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, move. God, I pray today, if there's anyone here who does not know where they will spend eternity after they die, that today would be the day they hear crystal clear the choice they have. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here who's never made that choice, today would be the day. We ask for your help. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Why? Why? How many of you have any, how many have little kids at home? Anybody have little kids at home? Little kids? How many love that question? Why? Why? Why, mom? Why, dad? I have four boys. One of them six. He's the big why guy right now. And he's a wise guy, but also a why guy. But he's constantly asking the question, why? Why does a church have a mission? Why do we have a mission? We see here in Genesis chapter number two that God forms man of the dust of the ground. Verse seven, he forms man, breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes a living soul. The first reason why we have a mission today, number one, if you like to take notes, they're, they're, they're there for you there. But number one is this, the soul was created. The soul was created. I find it interesting in the book of Genesis that God says, let there be light, and there was light. How many wish you could say something and it happens? doesn't work that way for us. But God spoke. He literally used his words and breathed into existence the universe. Let me say, that's pretty awesome. He breathed into existence. He spoke. God said, let there be light. And there was light. I mean, he just said the words and it was there. God spoke and the waters formed. God spoke and the heavens formed. God spoke and the grass grew. God spoke and and then all of a sudden the whales were there and the fish were there and the bass was there and all God's fishermen said, amen. I mean, the God spoke and the stripers came down the delta. I mean, God spoke and they were there. The cows were there. The birds were there. God spoke and the platypus was there. We don't know why. On the fifth day, Verse 22 of Genesis chapter number one, on the fifth day, God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowls multiply on the earth. God commissions the earth. Everything that you see around you, God commissioned. My wife and I were driving up the road. We saw geese flying overhead. I've never seen the geese flying overhead. They're flying south for the winter. And I was telling my kids, because we I grew up in Wisconsin where there's a lot of ducks, and we used to see the ducks flying, geese flying all the time. And if you know anything about science, you know that that they fly in a V formation for a reason. Because the person, the the, the duck or the the goose in front of them, uh, they draft off of that. And so they can fly longer periods of time. And they fly right behind them and then they rotate, and the one comes to the front, and then the one comes to the front. And I said this to my kids, I said, it's a good thing that during the process of evolution, these geese learned how to do that real quick. All I'm trying to say this morning is God spoke and these things were done. God spoke. And, and so we see in verse 26, and God said, Let, let's make man in our image. Now that verse, that verse is interesting because God uses the word our 
That's a plural. A plural. Was there many gods? No, there's only one God, but there's three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Today, when we baptize, we'll baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. You say, you're saying Jesus was in the beginning? Absolutely, he was. John chapter number one, verse one, in the beginning was the Word, capital W, talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the beginning was the same with God. All things were made by him, and there was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Talking about Jesus Christ. So here's God, and he makes man in his image. God does something special. God creates man in his image. Now, how many recognize, especially in California, dirt is valuable? Dirt is very valuable. But you know that dust is not dirt? You know what most of dust is made out of? Skin cells. You're welcome. Brother, uh, uh, Brother Dole, after church, he was on a submarine for years. Right after church, he said, you know, what's crazy is we're in the submarine down in and he said, because of all the guys on the ship, that these huge dust bunnies would form from our skin cells. I said, thank God I was never on a submarine, amen? I just ruined some of your lunch. I'm sorry. Anyways, moving on. But God takes the dust. If you look up that word in the Hebrew, that literally means rubbish. He, took, he takes the dust and he forms man. He takes it. And when God spoke everything into existence, God spoke the world to existence, but he what? He formed man. Isn't that incredible? He forms man. Ladies and gentlemen, we're here today because God's intentional creation. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone throughout all the earth and it is to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Man is infinitely more special than the rest of the creation. Man was God's masterpiece. Did you know today that the human has enough DNA that if it were uncoiled, it would stretch 10 billion miles to Pluto and back? Scientists now understand that DNA is so infinitely infinitely complex that it's, it's infinitely more complex than any computer system ever built. It's interesting how that happened by chance. God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. Did you know that it takes 200 muscles in your body to work simultaneously to take one step? It's a good thing that during the evolutionary process that that happened where 200 muscles formed all at once and you were able to do that. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody. All I'm trying to say is this. God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. And man became a living soul a living soul. Did you know that the brain contains 86 billion nerve cells joined by 100 trillion connections? Did you know that the foot has 500,000 sweat glands and produces up to, uh, let's see here, a pint of sweat a day? Did you know that the human produces 25,000 quarts of saliva in a lifetime? That's enough to fill two swimming pools. The body is an incredible thing, but that's not even what is the most important thing. The human adult in their body, their blood circulates 12,000 miles a day. That's like traveling across the farthest parts of the east and west of the Pacific Ocean every day. In your lifetime, if you live an average lifetime, your heart will beat 3 billion times. No wonder the psalmist said, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works. Man 
is God's masterpiece, but that is not what is so special about man. What is special about man is that man became a living soul, a living soul. Quickly, why is this so important to us? Why is that such a big deal to our mission? Letter A, because the soul will continue. You understand this morning, because you are a living soul, the soul will last forever. Some people believe the soul goes into the ground or the body goes into the ground and you cease to exist. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the soul lives forever somewhere. And you are here today and I am here today, but someday I will not be here and you will probably not be here, but our soul will be somewhere because the soul will live forever. Letter B, not only is the soul, will it continue, but letter B, the soul is condemned. You say, what do you mean by that? Let's go to Genesis chapter three. If you read Genesis 3, you'll learn what's called the original sin. That's what a lot of people call it. It's when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. It's an interesting thing to study. But as you read this story, if you look at verse 4 with me, we see that the serpent, and if you do just a short Bible study, you'll learn that that serpent is the devil. The serpent said to the woman, "Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took the fruit and ate it. And she gave it to her husband, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both what? Opened. And they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. The Bible here teaches us that at some point here, Eve decides to disobey God. And we understand this morning that the thou shalt nots in Scripture are not hard to understand. Is anybody confused, thou shalt not kill? Is anybody confused about thou shalt not lie? The Bible is very clear. It is not hard to understand. Some people say, well, I can't understand the Bible. That's not true. You haven't read the Bible. It's not hard to understand. The commands are crystal clear. The gospel is clear. Everything in this word is clear. God gave Adam and Eve a clear instruction. Don't eat the tree. And they ate the tree. And because of that, every single person born under this planet is cursed. The Bible says in Romans chapter number five, wherefore, because of this, by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for all have sin. You say, well, pastor, why is that important to us today? Because the soul is going to live forever somewhere. Every soul, every soul in this room, you may not like that. You may not agree with that, but just because you don't agree with something doesn't make it untrue. That's what the Bible says. Your soul will live forever somewhere, and so will mine. And so we see that the soul is created. We see that the soul, the created soul, is condemned. But there's good news today. Number two, the soul has a choice. We see a soul is created, but the soul is created with the choice. Adam and Eve had a choice. You and I have a choice today. If you have a Bible, go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter number 5. I'll have the scripture behind me here. The soul has a choice. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 12, he, it's talking about anybody, that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And these things have I written unto you, that ye believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. Wouldn't it be nice to know anything today? 
to know your car's not going to break down. Can anybody say amen to that? To know that, you know, you know, whatever. But here's what God said. These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. I don't know about you, but I am freezing cold. Guys, if you could turn the air off. I can't feel my toes right now. That's how cold I am. So I hope, you know. But you know that God wrote that in the scriptures. He wants you to know. I'm comforted by that. I talk to people all the time as a pastor. One of the questions I love to ask, do you know for sure where you're going when you die? Most of the time, here's what people say. I hope so. And that's a good answer because I hope so too. And I hope that you hope so. But how many understand that a hope so sometimes isn't that good? I want to know so. I don't want to kind of think so. I want to know so. I don't want to hope. I don't want to think. I don't want to have a plan. I want to know so. Amen? I want to know so. And that's why God has given us his word. Can I just say this? That choices have consequences. I, uh, my wife and I, we like farm animals. And so we were raising some pigs. Do we have a picture of those pigs? And these were our pigs. That right there, that big one, that's big red. And uh, she is now bacon. But anyway, uh, that was big red. And next to her, behind her, there is Petunia. And behind her is Porky. And so we got these pigs and we're raising the pig. We loved it. The kids loved it. It was a lot of fun. And I built that fence around them. And I, 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 I'm not a farmer. I'm kind of learning on the job. And so I, I figured out that that fencing is not strong enough for pigs. They can push right through the bottom. And so I went to Tractor Supply and I bought these uh, electric wires. How many see the yellow? Can you see it? Kind of blurry to me, but I can see the yellow there. And there's some wires running along the two wires there. So one day, it's like middle of the summertime in, you know, where we live, and it's hot, hot. And so I'm like, I got to build a shade structure, sh- structure for these pigs, or they're literally just going to fry in the July. So I, I got some wood, I got some, some stuff, and I went out there. I had some shorts on, I had some cutoffs. And boy, you never see anything white like that in your life. So you see my light legs. But anyway, I got shorts, I got a cutoff. I go out there, and I'm working. It's July, I'm hot, I'm sweaty. And I, I get out there, and I, the, the thought crosses my mind. Most of you men know what I'm talking about. Uh, this thought crossed my mind. You should turn off the electric wires. And I thought, but it's all the way outside the fence. I won't turn it off. So I went to work. I put the posts in. I got my roofing material. I got my drill. I got everything. got my ladder. I'm putting this stuff together. And sure enough, later on, the thought crossed my mind. You should turn those wires off. I thought, no, nah, I got this. I'm too smart for that. <laughs> So I kept working. I'm on the ladder. I got the drill in one hand. I got the, the other stuff. I got some wood or whatever in this hand. And I'm standing on this ladder about four rungs up. I'm about this far from the fence, about this far from the electric fence. And here comes Big Red. Yeah, I don't know why. But she starts rubbing her back on that ladder. <laughs> and so I'm like, stop, you know? And so she's rubbing her back. And sure enough, that ladder starts going over. Now, I didn't want to fall into the fence, so here's what I did. I, I wrapped my arm, his bare arm, I got a sleeveless shirt, and I wrapped my arm around the top of that metal fence like this. And so I got that metal fence nice up in here in my armpit. And I got it down there, and I'm holding on like that. I got a drill in this hand. The ladder's going like this. And then my bare skin, my calf, touches both of those electric wires. It was like I got hit by a car. I mean, that hurt so bad. It threw me off the ladder into the middle of the pig pen. And how many know there's some stuff in the pig pen you don't want to be in? So I'm laying there. I'm staring at the sky. And, and literally, I feel like I can see smoke coming off of me. I'm just like, oh. And here comes, here comes Big Red. She starts nibbling on my shirt. You know, <laughs> like, smell, probably smell like fried chicken or something. But anyway, I said all that to say this. I chose not to turn the wire off. That was my decision. Decisions and choices have consequences. 
One of the best decisions I ever made was getting married. That was a great decision. One of the best decisions I ever made was, was coming to work here at this church. Probably the best decision, one of the best decisions I ever made. There are good decisions and there are bad decisions. The soul has a choice. And there's consequences to those choices. Letter A, sin has consequences. Sin has consequences. The Bible tells us in many places, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're all become unprofitable. There is none that do righteous, no, not one. We all sin, by the way. All of us do. And there's consequences for that sin. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Say, well, that's not a big deal. I mean, I'm going to die anyways. That's not the death it's talking about. It's talking about a spiritual death. Let me show you where that talks about that in the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, talks about the devil. He deceived them. He he, he was the great deceiver, the father of lies. He deceived them. He was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they're tormented day and night forever and ever. And listen to what John says in verse 11. He's seeing God is showing him the end of time. He says, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, those that had died, small and great, stand before God. Kings, presidents, little children. Everyone stood before God, every soul. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the Bible says here, the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And the, probably the scariest two verses in all of Scripture, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Scariest verse in all the Bible. Churches aren't preaching it. Why, why not? Why not? Come have a coffee. Come play on our playground. That's all fine and dandy, but the verse is in the Bible. Amen. And if it was me coming in, if it was me and I didn't know for sure where I was going, I would sure want someone to tell me. How many of you have ever been to the doctor? I hate going to the doctor. How many of the doctor ever tell you some bad news? Do you want the doctor to tell you the bad news? Or you want him to tell you just whatever you want to hear? Oh, you're doing fine. <laughs> oh, he's going to die. No. no, you want your doctor to tell you the news. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Amen. How many appreciate honesty? We don't try to hurt people or scare people. I'm just saying, that's what it says. Sin has consequences. But here's the good news. The solution is Christ. The solution is Christ. Romans 5.8 tells us, Wherefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have peace with God. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died, not for the churchgoer, not for the guy who's got it all together, not for the good person, but he died for the ungodly. Listen, today, Jesus didn't die for me because I was good. He died for me because I was bad. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm just as bad as you are. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter how much sin you have in your life. Jesus died for you the same that he died for me. And guess what? Your sin is paid for. Paid for. You see the cross. Why do we have crosses? It's to remind us what Jesus did for me. He took my sin. I stand in him forgiven. I love this, but God commendeth. That means he demonstrated his love toward us in that while I was yet a sinner, he died for me. And he died for you. 
The answer, the solution, the remedy is Christ. This is why this, this is why church, listen, if you're a church member here, if you've been coming here a long time, this is why, this is why the mission is so critical. Every soul lives forever. Every soul has a choice. I, uh, I'm going to skip to the end here because we're running out of time. I'm going to give you point number three. Why, why, why do we need to worry about this as a church? Why do we need to worry about this as Christians? Maybe you're here and you go to another church. Why do we need to worry about this? What's the big deal? Let me give you number three. The situation is critical. Romans chapter number 10 tells us in verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's one of the best verses in all of scripture. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't matter if you're rich, doesn't matter if you're poor, doesn't matter what color you are, doesn't matter what country you're from. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anyone can be saved. Isn't that a comfort? That's a comfort. And then it goes on here. And this is where it kind of hits home. How shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? There needs to be a church that sends them. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good, glad, good tidings of good things. I gave you some bad news, but here's the good news today. Jesus loves you. He wants to save you. He loved you so much. You understand that Jesus is God. He abdicated his throne to come to earth. I was reading the other day in scripture where a Roman soldier, Brother Ehrlich, took his hand and slapped Jesus in the face. His creation hit the creator of the world in the face. Then they hung him on a cross. We sang about some of those songs today for wearing my crown. He took my crown. I deserve, I deserve the death. I deserve the punishment. But he took all that for me, for you. Ladies and gentlemen, this morning, the mission is critical. And it's serious. Surrounding us today are people that need the gospel. When I think of the word mission, I can't help but think of military. Have any military men in here? I'm almost done. Have any military men in here? I appreciate you guys so much. How many love your United States military? Amen. That's a good spot to say amen. And as I think about the mission, I think about the military. I have a picture here of two guys. And uh, the one on the left, his name is Jocko Willink, and the other is Leif Babin. And uh, these two guys uh, are, are military men. Um, they spent some time in Iraq in SEAL Team, the SEAL Team 3, a task unit bruiser. They fought battles against Iraqi insurgents in Ramadi. They were honored with, well, at least uh, the one on, the, on your uh, left here, he was honored with the Silver Star, the Bronze Star for his service. He achieved rank of Lieutenant Commander. You say, why are you showing me that today? I want to illustrate the mission of our church with these, what this man said. Uh, he wrote a book later on, and he's also a business consultant. The book is titled Extreme Ownership. And he goes around the world, and he's teaching businesses and nonprofits, and, and anybody that will listen, he's teaching them the, the philosophy of ownership, of owning something. And here's what he says. He says, you are 100% responsible for the success or failure of whatever mission you're given. You're 100% responsible. And he goes on, he says this in his book, you're 100% responsible for whether your marriage fails or not. You're responsible. And other things that he says, and it's just strong. You know, I mean, look at the guy. You wouldn't argue with him, amen? So he just says it in the book. And, and I thought it was an interesting book and it's a great book, but that's not the point. The point was this. I, I was reading this book and he, and he gave this story. He said this story, it really stuck with me. He said that him and his men were in Iraq, deep in Ramadi. It was undoubtedly the most dangerous urban area at the time. You could, they couldn't tell who was who. And at any moment, people could die. And so they're moving down the middle of this town, trying to accomplish a mission, the SEAL Team 3. 
and they had some other support as well. But in the middle of the mission, something very critical went wrong. Someone had communicated something improperly. And because of this uh, lack of communication or wrong communication, a gunfire broke out. And he explains in his book, it was a rain of gunfire. The SEAL team and they also had Abrams tanks, God bless America, were all pounding on this one place, sending in hundreds and thousands of, uh, of, of just, uh, just incredible force on this place. He describes how the air was filled with concrete and dust and bullets were flying everywhere and people were screaming and all these things were happening. It was a complete, utter chaos. Their communications team re- uh, received a message and then all firing ceased. After some time, as the confusion died down and the, de- the dust died down and the wounded were being tended to, they came to find out what had happened was, is they received bad intelligence and they were literally fighting against Iraqi forces that were allies with the Americans. So these allied forces were firing against Americans and Americans firing against them. They were fighting against themselves. Friendly fire. Because of this mishap, many, many were wounded. One soldier, an uh, Iraqi soldier, was killed, and one American soldier was permanently blinded and ended up dying from his wounds later on. The man who writes the book, pictured in the picture there, he says he learned a valuable lesson. He learned that one mistake could cost somebody else's life. Here's what he said, quote, I could have blamed the communication error on anyone, but ultimately I was in charge. The wounded, the deaths, were ultimately my responsibility. Can you imagine being responsible for the death of someone else? Can you imagine being responsible for the lives of others? I would just like to remind all the Christians in the room today that we are at war, not with each other, (laughs) not with our spouse, amen? No, we're at war with Satan. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness, we're at, we're at war for the souls of men. We're at war. I take my job seriously. And sometimes if we're not careful, we live our Christian life making a lot of excuses why things aren't our fault. We make a lot of excuses why we're not engaged in the mission. And may I just say, we need to own the mission. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, could I just invite you to him? He loves you so much. Your soul will last forever somewhere. Your soul has a choice today. I was reminiscing this morning with our early crowd at 8.30, their 8.30 crowd this morning, and I'm going to pray in just one minute here. I was thinking about some of the people in our church that are in heaven today. I think about my grandfather, Grandpa Chapin. Oh, he was such a great, he served in Korean War, and boy, he was just a man's man. Whenever he did something he didn't like, he'd always say, oh, fiddlesticks. I'd walk into church, he'd see me, he'd always say the same thing. Where's the power? And I'd respond, in the blood. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm 10, you know, what do you mean by that? Just a great, he's in heaven today. I know where he is. The Bible says absent from the body is present with the Lord. I was thinking about Mrs. Johansson. Many in the room today, you'll never know the name Mrs. Johansson. But she was a member here for many years, secretary of our church, many years. And the Lord took her home three years ago. I remember walking into the lobby and seeing her beautiful face. She's just always had this mischievous, mischievous, she's in her 70s. She always had this mischievous smile on her face, like she was getting away with something. Mrs. Johansson's in heaven today. I know that. I know that. I have an older brother in heaven today. I know where he is. There's many others I can name this morning. I want to hurt anybody today, but we know where they are. Brother Asprelli, my assistant pastor, usually sits up here 
He's in the back right now. I remember when his dad went home. Oh, Anthony. Anthony used to sit back in the sound booth. He used to run to sound. Big smile on his face. The Lord took him brain cancer. I know where he is today. Think about Mrs. Renison, Marjorie. Of course, Brother Renison is here this morning. We know where she is today. Come on, church. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. If you're here today, listen, I don't want to make your life shorter than what it is. But I want to tell you something. Life is short. You don't know Jesus, man. Today's the day. Today's the day. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'll close the message.